are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for keeping it Locked On Wildcats. You know, it's the uh, kind of the off season and we're going to keep you up to date on everything going on. But John Schuster who followed uh, Arizona basketball very closely with cat tracks, had to go to probably a few more recruiting tournaments back in the day than he maybe wished he had to. Is that fair? Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Okay, Uh not your thing exactly. So we're going to talk a little bit about how recruiting has evolved into where we are at 2021. But before we go there, we're going to take you back in time. So how was recruiting then when you were covering loot in the mid-90s? What exactly did it entail when you had to go watch Mike Bibby or somebody of that ilk? Or when you heard Lute Olsen in front of people saying, Mustafa Shakur is going to be better than Mike <laughs> Bibby. What exactly was that day-to-day grind? It, the, the, it, it was a summer-heavy thing, which I think a lot of that is still the case. And I'm looking forward to kind of the breakdown of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the mid-90s and into the early 2000s and earlier than that. Go, but You can go back into the mid-80s as well. It's more or less the same. You have uh, landlines. You call kids on landlines. Landlines heard, or landlines? Uh, that's, uh, you know, the ones that uh, you pick up that are hooked up to the wall and they're not cell phones. Correct. Okay, you don't have those. You're not Frank Cannon driving around in your Lincoln Continental with a fancy early 70s cell phone. Right. Car phone, rather. You're not doing that. No. Right. You get the old little, you get the phone, you call a player, the player picks up the phone or is parent picks up the phone right and uh you hope that you can talk to the player and the player gives you an answer oh i love oh i love that yeah and and you hope that and you do a little interview you hope the player gives you an answer Mm -hmm. and uh very often what happens is that if you're with the university of arizona publication uh incredibly the u of a is uh right at the top of his list right and if you're with the kentucky publication incredibly first first. you're with the uh you know you're with the ucla publication and unbelievably (laughs) ucla is mentioned first in these things so then the summer comes around and you go to a bunch of different tournaments and and they're in vegas or orlando or something like that and there's a bunch of teams there and you watch a bunch of players and then sometimes uh, you go from gym to gym to gym, and you're in the car with uh, other coaches who are also going to the same gym that you are. And sometimes certain individuals will ask certain other individuals if you could go to gym number seven and look at XYZ player and maybe talk to XYZ player afterward and see what XYZ player has to say. And then amazingly, that information is going to get back to the certain individual who then passes it along to a certain individual. And all of a sudden, this guy is, you know, this recruit is on the radar and is lurking at looking at a certain school. That was more right. or less how this process worked. I get that it's a big driving force as someone, even in the early days of Catrax Magazine, Catrax was at the front line of the internet. Uh, Doug Carr, who ran Catrax Magazine, he was the publisher. He was incredibly connected to recruiting with multiple schools. Right. I will leave it at that. Okay. Okay. So, so Doug enjoyed that. He handled it. It was a major lifeblood for Catrax Magazine. I knew that 25 years ago. Okay. So I get it. I get that it is the lifeblood of Jason Cheer's website. I get that it is a major deal for a lot of fans who follow a lot of college sports websites. I get it. I'm not dogging on it. It's just never been my thing. So anyway, as a result of that, 
over the years, I've kind of, I haven't had to really deal with the process. I've kind of avoided the process. And Mike, I've relied on you to kind of fill me in on a lot of the names, listen to them when you're doing the radio show on 1290, kind of get an idea on some of our conversations uh, off mic here, who they may be looking at and well, before you know, I... what some of these, uh, you know, what some of these players are. And so I thought maybe there are other folks out there who aren't entirely sure how this process works either. I'd love to have a primer on how modern recruiting works. The old saying that the more things change, the more they stay the same, I think has never been more apropos here. Now, you mentioned my time at 1290. I'm still there. Um, when I was able to speak on the radio, um, that was something recruiting was a big part of what I uh, what we would talk about. And I think that, and this is going to sound maybe a little naive, but you know what? I know what I'm saying. I think that there's actually, I think there's far more money, and I think as crazy as it is to say, even with more eyes and more people watching, there is far more cheating going on. And I'll be honest with you, I believe every school cheats. I don't think that it's possible to not bend rules in this regard. And if you're not bending rules, you're certainly breaking the spirit of the rule. You know, How's the saying go that there are... Uh, in the Pac-12, let's use the Pac-12 as an example. This joke could go for the SEC, the ACC, right. the Big 12, and so forth. Right. In the Pac-12, there are 11 coaches who are cheating. The 12th is looking for a job. Correct. Yes, exactly. And let's use uh, people like beating up uh, uh, in Tucson. You like beating up Duke and Zion Williamson. So we'll talk about Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson 100% got paid to attend Duke. Now, you could say that, well, he didn't get paid directly from Duke. Maybe true, but you know what? Nike is paying Zion Williamson to go to Duke, or somebody is paying Nike to tell Zion Williamson to go to Duke. It's really, there's basically two or three different back channels that everything goes through. And if you look at it, the coaches that, in college sports, that I always felt things really, maybe they're being like, you look at Bill Snyder when he was at Kansas State with uh, college football. When you're relying on like two stars and Juco's, you're probably not cheating a ton. And you know what? Even if you are, that's probably not a ton of money that's going into those two stars and those Juco's. But there's a reason that everywhere John Calipari goes, those things end up getting vacated. Whether that was at Memphis, whether that was at UMass. Now you could say that, oh, well, he doesn't know that Derek Rose had, uh, had somebody take his SAT for him. But you know what? At the end of the day, it still happened. And in college basketball, where everybody is a is has to know everything that's going on right there, it's next to impossible not to know what's going on. I'll give you another example. And this is here at Arizona. And again... I just said that I think that almost every school cheats. So I never bought for a second that Coach Miller didn't know what Book Richardson was doing. Anybody that followed Sean Miller know, knew, and it was one of his, I think probably one of his good traits, was that he knew everything. He was a micromanager. He was a control freak. So you've got this guy who, for 15 years, is your assistant coach, and you don't know that, oh, by the way, he's uh, out here offered money for players. I mean, come on. I mean, we're, we're all adults here. It's I'm, Like I said, I believe that everybody does this to a certain extent. But I do believe that there are schools that do it more than others. And let's, let's go back to the 90s because that was really kind of my, my era of innocence when it came to basketball. I always felt that you look around, you look around the Pac-10 at the time. Jim Herrick was cheating more than Lute Olsen was. <laughs> 
I think we could sit here and probably <laughs> safely assume that Jim. If Herrick you were was... if you were coming up with a ranked list with apologies to Jim Herrick, yes, and that list included top cheating basketball coaches in the in in, in the Pacific whatever it is yeah. conference. Herrick is the first or second one that you and, and instantly and think of, not and even, Todd Bozeman is the other. Todd Bozeman is the other. So let's talk a little bit about both of those guys right, right here. It made absolutely no sense. On, the by t- the way, a list of about 300 coaches Correct. Yes. at any given time. Now, people out there that don't know what we're talking about, Mike, shoo, who's Todd Bozeman? Well, Todd Bozeman was the coach at Cal who weirdly enough for about a three-year window was getting the best point guard in the country jason kidd the best big man in the country sharif abdur rahim oh all the way in marietta georgia and it comes to find out later on that you know what this probably wasn't done on the up and up you know what there's a certain connection to the school somebody maybe gets paid a little bit it's a little easier to cheat back then because not everybody is hyper connected now herrick was herrick was a buffoon because Herrick's a little bit to me like Barry Bonds in this regard. And anybody that knows me knows how much I cherish Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds didn't need to cheat. Now, you could say that, well, he's looking around, and this is generally what I say. He's looking around, he's seen everybody else cheating, and nobody cares. Bear, or When Jim Herrick is bringing in the best players in the country, and he's getting caught at a dinner with Baron Davis and the Collins twins and everything like that, that didn't need to happen. That's just being stupid. That's being silly. And so, as much as things... As much as things change, like I said, I think they stay the same. So here's what happens now. You get somebody that comes in, and we are up against a quick break right here, and that was called a tease right there. But one thing that you do need to know is that with these coaches, when they are cheating, they need vehicles, and they need to be able to run around the city, run around the state. And you know what? If their vehicle breaks down, rockauto.com has them covered. I guarantee you that if Jim Herrick was in this day and age and he was going around, and you know what? He's not looking to trace anything big back to his account because he knows that the good folks at rockauto.com do everything cheap and do everything affordable. I would say he's probably going to be a client of rockauto.com. Come back with us, and we're going to talk about just how you cheat in the year 2021. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, with John Schuster. We're talking about cheating this episode. Oh, of so, course we are. <laughs> yes. So let's say then that I'm your average coach. Let's say that I am Mike Luke, and I coach at Doan College in Crete, Nebraska. And I'm looking at Marvin Bagley. And you know what? I've heard a rumor Marvin Beck is a really good player. He's a really good player. And you know what? He's in Phoenix, then he's in California. Doan isn't at the top of his agenda. And, you know, honestly, kind of get why. So it's not as easy as people think where, oh, yeah, by the way, here's $100,000. This isn't the Chris and Claude Mills situation back in, you know, 1989 with Eddie Sutton. We're mailing cash in the FedEx. Yeah, you're you're not doing any of that. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to find a couple different things. What shoe company is he in with? The shoe company is generally runs the AAU team that the kid is in. So let's say that I use, we're using Marvin Bagley just in an abstract example right here. Let's say Marvin Bagley's with Adidas. So I go to Adidas and I say, you know, I think he'd look really good in the Doan, you know, uh, orange and black colors. And they're like, well, yeah, that's cool. But how are you going to promote him? What are you going to do for us in the process? So there's a lot of different ways. I can either basically 
cut a deal with you where, you know what, we're going to start recruiting all of your AAU guys. And they might not be good enough to come play at Doan College because very few are. But if they are good enough, okay, there's a little bit of a side benefit right there. Oh, yeah, by the way, here's another, I don't know, 300K. It's not necessarily that the shoe company needs the 300K, but it's basically a way to be able to cover both sides. So the shoe company is giving you this kid, but at the same time, when you gave them that money, it's kind of a, I can blackmail you, you can blackmail me. It's basically a mutually agreed upon thing right there. Now, a lot of times what happens is you get schools that don't feel really comfortable with having that kind of, that kind of commitment, I guess. And direct so, relationship direct with. Direct relationship okay. is the exact term that I was going with. So you get the assistant coach on the AAU team talks with the brother of a coach at Dome College. And that's where you start. That's where you get the ball rolling. That's why for the longest time, you'll see coaches with connections to certain AAU programs. And you'll wonder why in the world do they continue to get all of these guys. And it's generally an agreement upon that. Then when the kid gets to campus, you have basically three to four months to show the kid a good time, make sure that he's happy, and be able to promote the Adidas brand, which he's going to go on to play and sign with, whatever the case may be. So it's not really as complicated, I think, as some people make, them out, make it out to be. But at the end of the day... But there are a lot of players who are getting paid. There, everybody's getting paid. In one way, shape, or form, there is not a top 10, top 15. And there player. are representatives of players who are getting... Oh, everybody's getting paid. Everybody's okay. getting paid. Now, again, it's a little bit different than the Chris Mills era, like you said, with the FedEx money. Who are they getting paid by? Shoe companies or other entities? Shoe companies. Okay. Shoe companies are almost entirely in charge of that. Are you and a shoe comfortable enough? This is speculation. Nothing mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. Do you have any estimate on how much shoe companies pay for players in college basketball? Oh, it's in just college basketball. Oh, it's in the tens of millions yearly. Yeah, oh yeah, it's got it. it's in the tens of millions. Because think about it this way: if you got a guy like a Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson, just off his marketing brand alone, if he's funneled to the right school and you keep your connection with him, if I'm a Nike AAU program, I have just as much reason to want to send him to a Nike school as the Nike school does to want to have Zion Williamson. So Zion Williamson is somebody that can make me thirty, forty, fifty million dollars if he's a trans, if he's a. Uh, uh, a generational type player, and that's exactly what he was. So yes, I would imagine. Again, I don't have a hard figure, but I don't know. You're probably talking upwards of ten million, maybe somewhere in the tens of millions. It's a huge industry. I mean, it it really is. And there's no way to stop it. There's there's no way the NCA doesn't have an investigative arm that can go that far into it to be able to find out. Okay, so and the more that you get caught, the more you figure out how to do it better. Next yeah, time. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. These people right. didn't get good by being stupid. And, I mean, you, you look at it right now, and we talked about it at the time, and you said at the time it never made a ton of sense to you how Arizona's right. out recruiting every school in the country. Yeah, when Miller much. was here. Right, right. yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. When you've got a guy like Lute Olson, who, when he was here, he's... The quick version is that, in, in, in my opinion, it seemed unusual that Miller, given his track record with NBA talent, was landing the players that he was landing who were one-and-dones anyway with big-time NBA futures, you'd think that those players would go to schools that had a better development track But here's record. also where it's a misnomer, too, and I think where it's pie-in-the-sky theory when people say, well, you know what? You can you could get around this. You can just let them make money off their likeness. No. You're not going to get... 
Let's say that DeAndre Ayton, for example, is able to make money off his U of A likeness here, off of jersey sales and whatever. That's still going to be, you know, that's a fart in a hurricane compared to what you can actually provide somebody and saying, here's $300,000. Okay, let's do a balance here. Okay, that's a fart in a hurricane for DeAndre Ayton. Right. There's no way he's going to make as much jersey money with deference to DeAndre Ayton as an example here as he would make money getting paid through yeah. a variety of channels and uh, and 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 shoe entities right. industry to go to a specific and think school. about it this way if you've got a kid right now and <laughs> you want I kind of want to talk about that keep going right. because at some point later on I actually want to delve into this and, and we got a fair amount of summer to do it right yeah I want to one I'm like how, ask it how do coaches just deal with this what do coaches actually well do that's why you know, in terms you, you, of any recruiting there, here at all but there's also a term there's also an because it, it you're, you're always on the verge of almost probably feeling that you're going to get caught in some way, shape, or form because everybody's doing it. You just ha- you have to do it. Then that's why you hear the saying all the time that, and it's, I think it's true, no college coach on their own, voli- or no NBA coach on their own volition goes back to college. They only go back if they run out of options. John Calipari, Rick Pitino only came back to the college game because, oh yeah, by the way, we sucked in the NBA. No, Brad Stevens was offered $75 million by the University of Indiana. You know what Brad Stevens said? I'm going to stay in the NBA. I don't have to deal with any of this Uh stuff. I mean, I see you right now, and your head's spinning just talking about how convoluted the entire situation is. If I don't have to deal with that, and I'm a grown man, and I can bring in the best players, and I can just coach. Now, I think there's less coaching that goes on in the NBA than there is in college, but it's still, I don't have to deal with all the nonsense. And more so than anything, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to ever be able to stop this. It's just, I just don't okay. believe you can stop it. How do then coaches, we've talked about this on the podcast before. We've talked about how Tommy Lloyd is an example and, and, and few and Lloyd and Gonzaga needed to be more clever in their recruiting because we've talked about Ty Ty Washington. Arizona lost out to Ty Ty Washington. We came out with a bunch of excuses as to why he did. Right. He did because Arizona's an unknown. Kentucky is very well known. Calipari gets people in the NBA. Lloyd's an assistant. We don't know about Arizona's NCAA sanctions. Does any of that matter? This is also going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, which I am right here. But you know what? Again, (laughs) we're going to be straight with you here. Tommy Lloyd also, if you're going against a guy like Calipari, Tommy Lloyd knows that everybody's watching him. And any coach in that situation would. You're on a program right now. You're in a program right now that is being universally regarded by everybody outside of Tucson as a bunch of cheaters. You could say that's right. You could say that's wrong. The last thing Tommy Lloyd can do right now is get <laughs> caught with his hand in the cookie jar, especially if Kentucky's coming after a kid right like that. And again, John Calipari. Okay, so 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 how much of this is Kentucky pays entity that needs to get money back to player mm-hmm. and players reps? And how much of this is the kid saying, I want to go to Kentucky? Probably about 70-30, the kid 30, with 30%, the kid wanting to go to Kentucky. So so how often with, with five-star or four-star or three or two or one, is the kid saying, these are the schools I want to go to because those are the schools I always dreamed of going to, versus, you know, I think it's a really good idea, wink, wink, nod, nod, that you pick something out of 
A, B, C, and D. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that involved, but I'll, John Calipari also, after I've already said that he cheats, also has a very powerful pitch in this situation. And that John Calipari can basically say, listen, if you come here and you play well, you're going to make the NBA. Tommy Lloyd can't sit there and say that. Now, Tommy Lloyd can't say, you know, here's what we did at Gonzaga. But John Calipari can basically say, come here and bet on yourself. And if you're good enough, you're going to play in the NBA. Because, oh, by the way, I've got about 95 players that so, are in the so, NBA. So, so what are the, the the lesser players who don't have a, you know, are, are not relatively guaranteed entities? Mm-hmm. Do they get any money? A little bit, but not much. Okay. Like okay. honestly, so 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 the ones but, in that category actually but, going to school, but they also are actually, but, but they also legitimately picking schools that yes, are interested also, in them. They're also thrown into the they're also thrown into the category though, where a lot of those people will, or a lot of those kids will be on an AAU team or be with somebody who, oh by the way, uh, you're going to take Marvin Bagley, mm. you're going to also take this kid as well. So again, I don't know that I did a very good job of explaining it because it's incredibly convoluted. And but that's kind of how it goes. It's a lot. It's a lot more sinister, I guess, or maybe it's more. Maybe it's less sinister than just sending cash in the mail via FedEx. What I'm interested in, after perhaps after this podcast, and and you you can direct this once this airs. I'm going to be away for the next couple of weeks, uh-huh. but after that, perhaps we can regroup on this, and you can provide me with what feedback you've gotten from uh-huh. people who are listening, saying. I don't think that's quite wrong. That's really insightful. Right. I'm a little confused about this. Maybe you can, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll guide have, things, you know, direct we'll things a little a lo- bit. Maybe we'll yeah. have a locked on mailbag. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know how to go about that. You work on that because this is your baby and that's just your off the fly invention. On that note, I'm Mike Luke for John Schuster. Wish him safe travels. You've been listening to Locked On Wildcats.